0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we shall continue with our teaching on the realities of redemption. And yesterday I talked about, uh, you know, basically about ministering to the sick, how we pray for the sick and uh, the steps we should take when ministering to the sick. And uh, then we begin to get into the whole thing of ministering to people who are suffering I called it ministering to the suffering and we're going to continue with that and we'll end that in the middle of the session and we'll go into something new and we'll talk about the issue of suffering. What does the Bible say about suffering? But before we go into that, I want to share a story with you like I've done every day, a testimony of faith. And this is uh, from, um, uh, from Africa. I was once doing a crusade there and uh, in Malawi. And what happened was I had friends in London who had relatives there and they told me to meet this couple and they couldn't have children or something like that. So anyway, I, uh, the, the, the gentleman there, the, you know, the couple, the gentleman was actually a businessman. So I went to his place of business. He, they had a big shop there, a store. So I went there and he was very kind and he met me and I told him I knew his relative and you know, he was very hospitable. And then he's, I asked him if he'd like to come to our crusade. So he came to our crusade with his wife. And these people are Hindus. They are Indians. They were Hindus that had never been to church before. And so what happened was that... Uh, after the service they asked me if I'd like to if I would like to go to their home and eat with them and I said sure I can do that so I went to their home and then the wife began to ask me she said pastor tell me one thing I've never been to a meeting like this before and I had organized special seating for them on the side of the platform with the other with the pastors and she said pastor when you began to preach there was this man dressed in white he was all glowing and shining and he had a beard and he came and stood right behind you and put his hand on your shoulder as you preached and everywhere you went he followed you and kept his hand on your shoulder who was who was that he just came from nowhere then i i'm you know my hair stood up i began to get goosebumps i said i said madam you saw jesus she said really i said yeah i mean that's the only explanation i had Anyway, then they asked me for a prayer. They said, we can't have children. Can you pray for us? I said, sure. So I prayed for them. And um, then I think I met them one more time. And then I didn't see them for many, many, many years. And years later, uh, I was back in that same city in Malawi, And uh, my very first day, I was taking a walk through town. And I saw this gentleman's business. And I walked in there and his wife was there and she didn't recognize me. And I said, well, could you please tell your husband I'm in town? So two hours later, I get a phone call. It was from this gentleman and uh, his wife had told him that I was in town and I hadn't told them where I was staying. But he had actually, there's three uh, main hotels in the town. He had called all three and found out where I was and he was very excited and he came and he said, Pastor, since you prayed for us, we have a daughter and that's a result of your prayers and told me how old she was. I think it was 17 or 18 years old, something like that. She was grown up and it was fantastic. And then he said, he said, I'm the chairman of our local Hindu temple. Would you please come? There we have some festival going on. So I went there. I took a couple of pastors with me. Went to the Hindu temple. And then they um, asked me to... Uh, You know, He began to introduce me to people and tell people who I was. This is the man of God who prayed for me and my wife and I couldn't have children and now we have our daughters because of this man's prayer. So suddenly I was in this Hindu temple and there were a couple of thousand people in there and there were all these people standing in line for prayer. Then the priest, the main priest of the temple came with his wife and they had only one son, came with a son. They all wanted prayer. So I was busy praying for people. And then then the priest said, he says, pastor, could you please come back to us and preach your message here? And I said, oh, I'd gladly do that. So uh, I went back on my last night that I was supposed to be there, but uh, there was a total blackout in town. There was no electricity. Uh, So they had a little generator, that gave a little bit of light in one corner, so I couldn't preach. But my point is that, you see, uh, even when people are unbelievers, if we pray for them, uh, pray for their needs, and God meets their needs, it opens the door for the Gospel. It always does. It, oh, miracles opened the door for us to preach the gospel. I really wish I could have preached in the temple because the priest wanted me to, but there was no electricity, electricity that day. They even asked me to extend my stay, but I couldn't change my ticket. I had to fly back home. So that I kicked myself for doing that. But my point is that couple couldn't have children. They had a child as an answer to prayer and uh, God opened the doors to that Hindu temple. And I'll go back there because he said to me he said please come back the next time you come we want you to share your message with our congregation and praise the Lord praise the Lord for opportunities with that uh, like that well um, now I want to go go back into a subject we were talking about ministering to the suffering and the last thing I talked about when it comes to, cases like uh, like a child born with handicaps and deformities, you know, severely impaired children. It's not just a simple thing, but, you know, it's more complex than that. And I, I said that the best thing to do is to take uh, un- unless through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God moves and and he does create a, a, a creative miracle, a huge thing. And I've seen God do that, but that has been only. Uh, you know, a few times I've seen God do that, but what I have seen God do on several occasions is when we stand in faith. Say the doctors had given a whole list of things that the child could ne- would never be able to do. Well, we can stand in faith and believe for each point, you know, we can say, okay, the doctor said that, well, he will never, he won't live past five years old or, you know, he will never do this. And we can believe God. We can say, no, he's going to live. And uh, and and we and we are going to believe God for His motoric skills, or we can believe God for His eyesight, or for His hearing. You know, we we can take one thing piecemeal, one at a time, and target that thing and pray and believe God and see improvements in that until the child is restored point by point. We have seen that happen, and we should do that now. Then uh, that's what we talked about last time, and then the next thing. I want to say is this, now this is a a difficult one. Sometimes when you are called to minister to people, to pray for people, they are just far too far gone, they are too far gone. Uh, Say for example, people who are terminally ill and have basically given up, unless the Holy Ghost moves, pray for their pain and suffering to cease, and pray for a quick and comfortable home going. this is the best thing to do. Let me give an example. A few years ago, I was in the Middle East and, uh, and the pastor said to me, he said, Brother Christopher, there's, a, there's an elderly gentleman in our church, a good man, godly man. He's suffering for a few years. He's very, very ill, and the doctors have said he's going to die. And his children and his grandchildren love him, and they're very desperate they want him to live and please pray for them. But he's very old. He's 85 years old. They want him to live, but he wants to go home to be with Jesus. So it's very difficult. Can you go and pray for him? I said, sure. So I went to the house and uh, I asked everybody to leave the room so I could be alone with the with the gentleman. So, you know, I asked him, I said, sir, uh, what do you want? Tell me, what do you want? Do you want God to heal you? Or do you want to go home to be with Jesus? And he looked at me, he said, Pastor, I've lived a long life and I feel fulfilled. I have no nothing else to live for. I just want to die. I just want to go to sleep and go to be with Jesus. That is my dream. That is my goal. I said, is that what you want? He said, yes. I said, okay. So I I said, hold on, I'll be back in a minute. So I went out and and talked to his family. I said, Listen, what what do you want? They said, Well, we want Grandpa to live. And I said, But he wants to die. He wants to go home to be with Jesus. And they all began to cry. I said, You know, you can never go against his will because he said to me that his purpose in life is fulfilled. He has no other dreams, nothing else to live for. And uh, he just wants to go home to be with Jesus. because." We have to look at the eternal perspective of life. This life is short, and 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 it's not the end with this life. But after we live this life, there is an it is we will live forever in the presence of Jesus. And though you'll miss him for a few years, one day you are going to be with him forever. So if he wants to go, I would suggest the best thing you could do is to release him and release him and let him go. Well, they were crying, and they finally. Uh, realized that that was the best recourse just to release him and let him go. I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed and then uh, uh, we prayed together that the Lord would just take him home uh, without prolonged suffering and pain. We thank the Lord for his life, for the life that he had lived. We thank God for his testimony. We thank God for the people he had touched by his life, living for Jesus. And then we just uh, put him in the hands of the Lord, surrendered him to the Lord. And you know, in a couple of days, he went home to be with the Lord. And when that happens, the Bible tells us that we have to weep with those who weep. You know, we have to mourn with those who mourn, we, 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 we weep and we mourn with the bereaved family. And we thank God for the man's life. We thank God for his testimony. And then we move on with life and we help and encourage the family in whatever way we can. Do you know that is also an important part of the healing ministry? Because many people, uh, you know, we believe so much in healing and then they come to this a situation like this and they don't know what to do. And sometimes that's the thing we have to do. Uh, someone is too far gone and they're terminally ill and they, you, and they say they have nothing to live for. I've met people like that. They say, I'm so tired, Pastor. I just want to go home with Jesus. I said, fine, let's pray for that, that you go home to Jesus uh, quietly, without pain, without suffering. And that in itself is a victory because the Bible does say, Precious in the sight of the Lord is that is the death of his saints. And so let him be welcomed by the Father in in the heavenly dwellings. And sometimes that is just the best thing to do. Anyway, then the last point in this is ministering to to people. Sometimes God will not let us pray for a person. This has happened to me on rare occasions, a couple of times, maybe once or twice but it was because the person had fallen into grave sin and did not want to repent. Uh, it has happened a couple of times. There have been a pe- person, people who have fallen into grave sin and they've gotten sick and, uh, and everybody wants me to pray for them and they want to be healed themselves but they don't want to repent. And So the Lord has told me, don't pray for them. Just, just relieves them to me. So I've just prayed for God's mercy upon them. And I've said, Father, you deal with this person not in anger, not in judgment, but in love and mercy and in grace because you are the God of grace. You are the God of mercy and just then let it go. That's all we can do. So we have done that. Anyway, that being said, I want to go into the next thing and then, and that is what about suffering? Uh, People ask the question of suffering because I'm bringing this up because when I lived in Sweden, there was a time I used to go to a church where they talked about suffering and there was a minister who used to have these fainting spells. You know, he, he lived in constant pain and he, 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 you know, he could just... Uh, he, one day when he got up to preach, he said, well, if I faint, you know, if I pass, out, just sprinkle some water on me, revive me, me and uh, I'm okay and I just have this condition. And, and and many people made a thing out of it, and they say, "Well, he's carrying the suffering of Christ in his own body." And I began to think, you know, that couldn't be right. A person is sick, and he looks at that sickness as he's partaking of the suffering of Christ. So I decided to do some study uh, from the scriptures on what the Bible said about suffering. Now, when we look at suffering, there are different kinds of suffering. Uh, there are the first kind of suffering is because we suffer because we live in a fallen world. Let's face it. We live in a fallen world. There is sin. There is diseases around us. And uh, because the world is fallen, there is evil and there is suffering in the world. And sometimes, you know, we get in the line of fire and we have to suffer uh, because, because there is sin and there's diseases in the world. So that's one kind of suffering. It's not because of us, not because of anybody else, but it is just the way the world is. Nobody has done anything just the way the world is like this coronavirus uh, is going around. People are dying. It's nobody's fault. You can't pin the blame on one particular person that he caused it and we know it came from China but we don't know more than that of its origins. But the thing is that it's in the world and people are suffering because of it. So that's one kind of suffering when people suffer because we live in a fallen world. The second kind of suffering is people suffer because of a lack of knowledge because they don't know the truth. Hosea 4 says, the prophet Hosea says that the Lord says that my people suffer because of a lack of knowledge. Many people, and I'm talking about Christians, They suffer because they have a lack of knowledge of what Jesus has done for them. Like I go to certain churches, I used to belong to a church where they didn't believe that God healed the sick. They believed that Jesus healed the sick when he he was on this earth and that his apostles used to heal the sick. But when the last of the apostles passed away, the miracles passed on with them. So there's no miracles today and sickness is a part of life and sometimes God wants you to be sick so you just lay back and accept it. And now that kind of suffering when people go to churches like that and they they suffer sickness or something I call it not they are not suffering because of sin because they're good people some of them are holy people but they're suffering because of a lack of knowledge because you see People only have the knowledge of what is taught to them from the word or what they see in the word and uh, what their preachers preach to them. So uh, you can only have faith for the things that are preached to you, the things that are taught to you from the word now some people even if it's not taught to them they know what the word says but they filter it out because of what their pastors and their teachers have told them so say for example someone sees in the bible jesus healed the sick and uh, the apostles healed the sick yes healing is in the bible healing is for me but then what happens they go to church and their pastors and bible teachers sunday school teachers tell them yes jesus did those things but they are not for today So because of what they have been taught, because of wrong teaching, wrong knowledge, they filter it out. So uh, what uh, what they believe is that, yes, Jesus heals the sick, but it's not for me because I've been taught he doesn't do those same things today. So sometimes those things are filtered out because of wrong teaching. So my people suffer because of the lack of knowledge Most people just don't know that they have a covenant right to be healed. They don't know, they are not being taught that Jesus Christ has actually borne upon his own self their diseases and he has done so as their substitute. In other words, Jesus bore my diseases so that I don't have to bear them and he became my substitute, he took my place. And when people don't know that, they can't believe because they can only believe that which we are taught. They are taught. so. Hosea uh, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. That's the second kind of suffering, suffering because of a lack of knowledge. The third kind of suffering is when we suffer because of our own faults, of our own faults. I do something stupid. I suffer. Or if I subsist on a wrong kind of diet, if I eat a, a, a donut and a coffee for breakfast every day and I go for a hamburger every day at lunch and I eat junk food. If I subsist on that kind of food and I don't take care of my body, I feed, feed myself garbage and well, well, I don't get enough sleep. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to suffer. I may be a good man. I believe in faith. I believe in healing. I believe in Jesus, but just because of my own fault. I am going to suffer. So that's the third kind of suffering. The first kind of suffering we suffer, we live in a fallen world. Second kind we suffer because of a lack of knowledge. Third, we suffer because of our own faults. And own faults can, is a, is a, is a uh, variation of different things. I can suffer because of my sin. If I sin, I will suffer. Sin also causes suffering. Physical suffering, mental suffering, emotional suffering, bad habits cause suffering and bad influences on my life called suffering, wrong choices and faults. They cause suffering. The fourth, uh, the fourth kind of suffering, we suffer because of the sins of others. People, Christians suffer because of the collective sins of others. An example of that is when the children of Israel, when Moses sent out the 12 spies to spy out the land and they came back and they all came back with a bad report, except uh, Joshua and Caleb, they had a good report and God was angry at them and he consigned the children of Israel to the wilderness and they all wandered for 40 years uh, until the last of their generation died because God says that they will never see the land of promise. But you know what, Joshua and Caleb, although they spoke faith, they were the two. only only, the only two people who didn't do any wrong. Yet they also wandered in the wilderness because of the nation that they belong to, which means that sometimes people suffer because of the collective sin of the group that they belong to. The Israelites, they had sinned against God. But there were these two men of faith, Joshua and Caleb, they suffered because of the sins of others. And we see that in the church. You you are part of a certain you know group and the, this collective sin in the group. and uh, And it's not your fault, but you suffer because of the sins of others. It doesn't happen all the time, but this is a biblical principle. It can happen. It happened to Joshua and Caleb. The fifth reason why we suffer is we suffer for Jesus' sake for the sake of the Gospel. Now, the first four kinds of suffering are not for us, but the fifth kind of suffering is for us, that we suffer for Jesus' sake. Now, the first scripture I want to show you is Philippians 1.29. It says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So, because we believe in Jesus, it is part of our walk not just to believe in Jesus, but to suffer for his sake. And uh, I mean, many people have suffered for the sake of the gospel. They have suffered because of their righteousness, because of their stand for Jesus. There's many, many people. I know other people and I know in my own case, when I gave my life to Jesus, they put me in a mental hospital. and for psychiatric evaluation. When I came out of there, I began to preach the gospel and I was arrested several times and finally they put me in prison and I was in prison for almost a year. Then I was threatened with execution for having a Bible and for, uh, for meeting with Christians, for preaching the gospel. I was arrested again and then I was threatened with execution. So I had to leave everything. I lost everything. And with only 75 cents in my pocket, I escaped. And, 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 and finally, after a long trip, I ended up in Europe. And, but what I'm saying is that I, I've been to that place where I had a choice either to go back to Islam and be a Muslim again and recant and stop this thing with Jesus, or I had to say no to everything and choose to suffer, choose suffering for the sake of Christ rather than comfort. So I lost my money. I lost my inheritance. I lost my, my, my family, forsook me. Everybody cut me off and I ended up in prison and I was tortured and all those things I went through. But I understood that it says here because when I got saved, my leaders, they, they showed me the scriptures where it says that and a man's foes shall be those of his own household but he who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me he who loves his brother and sister brother or sister more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross for to follow me is not worthy of me so uh, I had to embrace that because I knew that that kind of suffering is of God. But now, before I got saved, I suffered a lot because of my own fault. I suffered a lot because of the sins of my family. I I mean, I, I, I suffered because of wrong choices I made because of my circumstances, but I understood those kinds of sufferings were not things that God expected me to bear, but I had to go through them because of you know of the circumstances I was in, but this kind of suffering, God wanted me to bear that I went to prison and I had to suffer for the gospel. So it says here, for unto you, it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So we are called to suffer for the gospel. Now um, I must add here, I heard a very famous preacher. He once said, well, if the apostle Paul knew the things that we know today. Uh, uh, you know, he wouldn't have to suffer, uh, you know, imprisonment and all the things he went through. And so I, I was shocked that a, uh, that a mature, famous preacher could say a, a, a foolish things like that. Because when you say, uh, if the Apostle Paul knew the things that we know today, well, what are the things we know today? And where do we know them? We know them from the writings of Paul. So obviously, We don't know more than the Apostle Paul because the things we know from the scriptures are the things we know from his writings. But anyway, I don't want to go into that. So uh, we are called to suffer for his sake. Then 2 Corinthians 1.5, it says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. So it says that the sufferings of Christ abound in us. So we, 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 we suffer the sufferings of Christ. And uh, and then what happens? So our consolation also abounds by Christ. So we suffer for the name of Jesus. And at the same time, we are also comforted in abundance. Just, we su- just like we suffer in abundance, we are also comforted in abundance. I remember when I was in prison, I was in my cell, and I remember one day thinking, Lord, I'm here. I am in prison. I've lost my everything. My family has forsaken me. I've lost my money, lost my position in society. And uh, people are talking things about me. And here I'm in prison. I'm lost. I've lost everything. Now I said, Lord, when we are young, we make mistakes. And uh, many of our mistakes we can rectify and we can go back. But here I am and I have lost everything. And if this is one of those mistakes where I have lost everything, and uh, I'm really, really wrong, then I'm finished. I've lost everything. But if you are the son of God, if you are the one the Bible says who you are, then I know that even in losing everything, I have not lost, but I have won because I have won eternal life. And when I go to heaven, I will die. I said, Lord, I really, really want you to know I have lost everything. Is it in vain or is it worth it? And I remember at that moment that I began to tremble and shake and the glory of God filled the room. It was almost, I, I can't describe it. It was like a mist, like a haze filled the room, the the, the prison cell and I was in. And the presence of God filled the room. And it was like Jesus came to the room and filled my heart with great comfort. And I began to weep. And at that time, that was the day I realized that no matter what price God calls me to pay for the sake of Christ, it is worth it all because even in losing everything, I have won everything. Hallelujah. Never forget that beloved. In Jesus Christ, even when we lose everything, we have won everything. We have nothing to lose, but we have everything to gain. Let me pray for you and we will continue again. uh, in In the next session, we'll talk about the sufferings of Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for each person in this place who can hear my voice. I ask you that their hearts be comforted, Father, and they be blessed. And Father, there are people who, who are listening to me, watching this video. are in countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith, and sometimes people have to pay a terrible price for their faith. I pray for them. Let their hearts be strengthened and comforted at this time, and may they stand strong, Father, in your grace in your strength in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for everybody. Let them be strengthened in their faith. If there's any sickness or disease in their house, I curse those things in the name of Jesus. Let your blessings abound in every home, in every place. Touch them and bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. God bless you and we will continue tomorrow.